Hey guys, it's Liz Kelly. Right in time for the holiday season, The Ringer's merch store has tons of new stuff. And right now, almost everything on the site is 20% off, including your favorites like Binge Mode and Ringer NBA. And for the first time, we are introducing brand new merch for NBA Desktop, Shea Serrano's Villains, and Bill's Parent Corner. This Black Friday Cyber Monday sale lasts until Monday, November 26th. You can check it out on theringer.com slash shop. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. This is The Corner 3. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and joining me here in gorgeous, kind of a little chilly Los Angeles is Ringer Associate Editor, Danny Chow. I'm here, and the weather's great, to be honest. It is great. It's always great. From Dallas, Texas, it's Ringer Staff Writer, Jonathan Charks. What's up, guys? I'm ready for a podcast and a quick little vacation, man. <laughs> Absolutely. We're recording this at 1.28 p.m. on Tuesday, November 20th, and you're hearing it on Wednesday. Since it's a short week with Thanksgiving happening on Thursday in the United States, we thought it felt like a good time to do a mailbag. You guys have any Thanksgiving plans? Going home? What are you doing? Staying home. Eating. I, I think we're frying chicken this year instead of uh, instead of doing a turkey. Fried chicken. Yeah. I like okay. that. That's sounds good. Yeah. My dad's just like, uh, none of us really like turkey anyway. So, you know. <laughs> That's what's up, man. That's awesome. How about you, Charks? I'm in Dallas. You know, you're the only transplant here at KFC. The rest of us just stuck, stayed home. Sure, yeah. I'm flying home. Tomorrow morning, looking forward to seeing my parents, looking forward to seeing family. It'll be a good time. Have some turkey. It'll be great. But now you guys submitted questions, and we really, really appreciate that. We got some really good ones. A lot of questions. Uh, a lot of questions. Yeah. A lot of good questions yeah, about the sure. Wizards. A lot of Wizards questions, especially after the news broke this week that they are open to trading John Wall or Bradley Beal and anybody else on their team. There were so many, and they all kind of had a particular theme. What is the best course of action for Washington? Yeah, so do you guys have any, like, trade possible, you know, trade machine tinkerings that you guys have been working on? It sounds like you do, Dan. It sounds like you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I saw one question, uh, didn't catch the name, but uh, they were basically asking, how do we get Bradley Beal onto the Bucks and whether or not that that was feasible? I think it might be feasible if you do a trade something along the lines of Bradley Beal and some young talent that the Wizards don't care about. I think they have like Devin Robinson on their team. Like just throw throw him in there. That's a a corner three deep cut. I like it. Right. Athlete. For Eric Bledsoe, the uh, corpse of Jody Meeks, uh, (laughs) Thawne Maker, and Malcolm Brogdon. Any picks? I mean... How many picks? Sure. I don't know. But like just that that Mm -hmm. chord in itself. Do you think that's enough? I don't know. For Bradley Beal, that's pretty much just Malcolm Brogdon. You can't play Bledsoe and Wall together. Get a Kentucky reunion going or something? I mean, that was kind of what I was hoping for. (laughs) You know, like we're starting with Bradley Beal here, right? Right. And I think he's the player, like if you're a general manager or an executive and you're calling the Wizards, the guy you're probably asking about first is Bradley Beal. And if if you're the Wizards, I think you're going to be like, we're not trading Beal. He's the one guy that we're keeping. We are open to trading other guys, though. We're open to trading Wall, open to trading Porter. And maybe then, do you think they get bites? Is there interest in a guy like John Wall? How many teams would realistically have interest in a John Wall with there being so many teams that have point guards, Danny? I mean, Phoenix and the Magic stand out because they mm-hmm. just have the two most dire point guard situations in the league. Uh, when you consider maybe personnel and, I guess, the ways that their front offices generally gravitate towards players, I think Magic would probably be more of a a, a team with interest. But at the same time, do they really have any assets to to give up? Well, I think if you're trading John Wall, you're just dumping the salary at this point. 
don't know you're getting much back for him. Th- that raises right. the question, which Joshua Axelrod asks is, what do you think the best return the Wizards could get for John Wall would be at this point? And, you know, in my article this week on The Ringer, I put it on a, a trade idea and I said two first round picks for Wall uh, is something I could see Washington wanting and, and an executive texted me that morning. I'm sure they want that. Well, yeah. yeah, an executive <laughs> texted me that morning. He's like, dude, your value, your idea of John Wall's value is just way off. Right. Like, if anything, they might have to give stuff up to get rid of him. I don't necessarily agree with that though because John Wall is still a really good point guard. I, I'm not a big fan of him. I never have been. I'm definitely not now. But he's still a good point guard. He can still help a team like Phoenix or Orlando. He still could be an interesting fit in the backcourt for Pelicans with Drew Holiday. There's teams that I could see Washington getting at least a solid return. But Charles, I mean, I like I like the change of scenery idea with Wall. I think he needs to go somewhere else. Just the money, man. The money makes it yeah. so hard. That's what it comes down to with him. The money's significant. He's going to make. I think an, his average annual salary for this new deal is forty-two million dollars, I believe. And I think right. he makes forty-seven and a half in the fourth year of that contract. It's yeah, that that outrageous. That player option is just like. And here's the thing too: like, if you could create a player who's not going to age poorly, right? <laughs> a point guard who depends on speed and athleticism doesn't take care of his body and has a characteristic in the locker room. Isn't it like the worst possible combination of skill traits? Absolutely. And, and, and that's why I think for Washington, that's what makes this situation so difficult for them. It's like so easy. Like I love blowing it up. I love when a team blows it up because I think it's a proactive move oftentimes to get ahead, to accumulate assets, create cap space, to get young players on your team. But for John Wall, it's tough with Washington because I'm not really sure what you get back to the point where it's actually worth pulling the plug. It might not be worth blowing it up for Washington. Making a tweak might, Look at might this. be the best this is path. KOC is getting mature, man. Uh, no. <laughs> he's, he's aging. He's hey, growing up on no, the front of our know, eyes. My, my, this has always been my perspective. It was just overblown that I'm always about pushing, push and go on, on you know, detonating a team. It's not true. It's like context matters and depends on what you're going to get from Wall. I think Otto Porter, maybe is, a guy, maybe is the guy you dump. He just doesn't do well in their system. I mean, there's not a lot of ball movement on that team. Otto Porter is a guy that flourishes with ball movement. And this is, this is something that uh, Charks had alluded to in a piece that he wrote last week about the Rockets. Uh, one possible way for them to kind of get back to that level that they were at last year is by acquiring another plus player. And plus player that they could possibly acquire now is Otto Porter. He would fit perfectly in their system. Absolutely. And it just feels like with Washington, with Grunfeld, they always take the path of least resistance. And the easiest trade to make is to dump Porter for spare parts and save a lot of money. And I feel like that's what they're going to do. If I had to guess, like they'll make the easiest possible trade and just find a contender who wants out of Porter and just get rid of him for pennies on the dollar. And Porter's another guy that has a very expensive salary, making $26 million Oof. this year. And then in the 2020... 2020-21 season, he'll be making $28.5 million. That's the fourth and final season of his contract. Otto Porter's a good player. He's a good player, but he's not worth that money. And so for these teams that are interested in any of Washington's players, you're literally paying a lot for them. Bradley Beal is really the only guy that I think you would cough up a lot for. I think, you know, something you touched on earlier, Charks, um, related to a question from Joseph Horner, could heat culture fix John Wall? Is there a situation where you would feel like, okay, John Wall, maybe this could be good for him. Maybe we can get new sides of his game. Maybe he can extend his career. Is there a spot for him that you would feel comfortable with John Wall? I think just getting out of D.C. would be a start. I think clearly he needs like kind of a kick in the pants. Like, okay, let me get my career, take my career seriously. Just just put John somewhere where he can't party every single night. <laughs> yeah, so that uh, that might take out the heat. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, maybe New, when, Orleans, maybe New Orleans too. I guess. Yeah, when you when you think about heat culture, you're you're kind of thinking about 
anonymous players who suddenly rise from obscurity and become very solid players like Josh Richardson, like Rodney Magruder uh, type, like Hassan Whiteside. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the, yeah, but you know, the, there's the James Johnson thing though. Like kind of guy, talented guy, doesn't take care of his body, goes to Miami and fixes himself. There's that avenue, I guess. I mean, he kind of fixed his body after he left Chicago the first the first time, I think. Mm. I'm curious. In my, my my article on Monday, I had like the idea for Pelicans to go for him. It's kind of like an all-in move. Like, here, here you go, AD. We got a but superstar. See, to me, the move is Porter for the Pelicans. They need more size in the wing. As you well, that, that's article. what I mean, Sharks. It's like, if you're in New Orleans and you're calling Washington, you don't have enough assets to get Bradley Beal. I think an offer that you could give can be topped by somebody else. So let's say just say Beal's off the table. Are you going for that all-in move with John Wall? You have a Wall, you know, a Wall Holiday backcourt. Wall, you know, he's a loves transition, playing an Alvin Gentry's offense with Anthony Davis. Now that pick and roll could be devastating. Or do you go for the guy? Really, that's the position of need with Otto Porter. I mean, like, what what's your approach if you're the Pelicans and you're looking at this this wizard situation? You prefer Porter? You said. I think so because you have to have some perimeter size. If you have, if you're in the same conference as Golden State and they are putting Drew on KD last year, you've got to have a taller wing to guard KD. I think you got to go for Porter. That's fair. I would lean towards Wall just because I think the Walladay uh, nickname would catch on <laughs> in New Orleans. Well, he's definitely a better Alfred Payton. I mean, there's that. <laughs> oh goodness! Has Alfred Payton come back yet? Not yet. He came back he came in back his first game. He broke his pinky, so he's out six more weeks. Yep. Fantastic. Unfortunate. I don't love John Wall, but I think if you're New Orleans and you're thinking about how do we keep AD, I think John Wall's a pretty good option. I'm not sure if Otto Porter, Otto Porter is going to swing AD one way. Well, but the thing about it is, I don't think Meredith could have swung him either last year. Right. But like the fit on the court will swing it more than the big name. And I think having Porter makes him a more dangerous team than Wall. That's what it really comes down to is winning more than even the big name. Moving on, we got a question from 21 Shump Street. Good, good Twitter oh, handle. Oh, there you go. That's he, good. He said, will the Sixers regret trading for Jimmy Butler too quickly as more stars become available? Would, would Bradley Bale have been a better option given them, giving them a higher ceiling? I mean, sure. Just you, you, have, you have a player who is a better three-point shooter and suddenly you're looking at a Sixers team that is in desperate need of that. And locked up long-term. Sure. And Bale. much younger. Uh, with similar yeah, age, much better. Similar sure. injury concerns, but I feel like Beal has kind of moved past that. Whereas Jimmy Butler's less than a year away from his knee injury. Why can't Philly still go for Bradley Beal? Ooh. I'm just saying, like they they have the salaries and they have enough they future assets. Well, they have a lot of future assets. If you're going to dump a bunch of first round picks, if you're going to say, "Hey, here's Markel Fultz," you know, maybe you can fix him. Like they still, there's nothing the, stopping them. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Real. The Wizards locker room fixing <laughs> faults is high comedy. That is incredible. That's an incredible thought experiment. Well, maybe maybe uh, Austin Rivers take him under his wing. You <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast? Hey, d- don't don't underestimate Sadaransky as a as a mentor for Markel Fultz. I think I will. <laughs> Look, I, I I don't think Philadelphia will regret training for Jimmy Butler. Even if he leaves, I don't think you regret it. I think Jimmy Butler is a calculated risk. It was, it was, it was worth it. Yeah, it was the type of move that they had been angling towards for upwards of three years. And they got and they got it. And they got it for two good players, not great players. Tonight we have the Philadelphia 76ers facing the New Orleans Pelicans. That's one team that needs to make a deal. New Orleans Pelicans and one team that already made their deal. Joel Embiid versus Anthony Davis. That's fun. How have they fared in the past? Do y'all remember that matchup one-on-one? I don't really remember it at the top of my head. 
I don't I don't remember. But it is interesting how you have two drastic you have two teams in different situations, right? Where Pelicans are feeling pressure to build around this guy, to make this guy happy in his new situation. Yep. Whereas the Sixers are uh, you know, starting with what Sam Hinkie built and then what continued with Colangelo now with the new regime. Oh, Philly's feeling pressure now, though. They are feeling pressure. Yes, you're right, Charles. They're feeling pressure in a different way to compete now and maximize on this court, around this core. I, I'm I'm intrigued by how they've built this team with Philadelphia. Um, we talked about it last week. Uh, now Markel Fultz may not be playing. Um, who knows anymore, yeah, man? Who, who really knows? But I think since we did last talk, Ben Simmons has been used as a screener more often. Yep. Jimmy Butler, we saw him win a game right at the end. This team suddenly... Has become far, far, far more of a threat. I think you know for the playoffs than they were even just last week before that Butler deal. It's exciting. I mean, and yet there's always going to be mm-hmm. an and yet with the yep. Sixers. You know, if you look at the total margin of victory over these over these games, it's like nine. Yeah, over slim. over four or five games. It's mm-hmm. very. I mean, they slim. have more trades to make. I think. I think that's pretty clear. They do. This isn't over at all. They, they still need more shooting, and that gets back to Bradley Beal, right? I mean, I, I don't think they're going to get Bradley Beal. I think somebody could top what they would be willing to offer, but they need to find another guy. Yep. There's still more to do. Axel asked, considering his impressive play this season, where do you guys see Shea Gildas Alexander in? Oh. Let's say five years. What's the ceiling for him, Charks? Shout out Isaac Lee. I mean, I love. I was always an SGA guy. I thought he was the best point guard in this draft. And to me, he could become one of the best point guards in the NBA. I think he can be an all-star, maybe even all-NBA point guard. The only thing with SGA is he kind of has to have the ball. So you have to kind of be careful who you put around him. But this team now, I think, they might make the playoffs because of SGA. He's been great as a rookie. And it's rare that Doc Rivers is willing to play a young player so often. I think it says a lot about Gildas Alexander, what he does well, Danny. Absolutely. And it's interesting right now because he's kind of in a holding pattern, kind of waiting for a lot of these incumbent point guards to finally leave the nest. Like he's, he's I mean he took the spot though. He's took the spot. But those guys. Right now he's right now I think he's starting at the two because he's playing next to Beverly, who I think both of them have pretty low usage numbers for, you know, lead guards. I think eventually you're gonna want to take the training wheels off. Uh and that could come as soon as, you know, next month. I think Avery Bradley's absence the early this season has also helped give Gilgis Alexander a real chance real opportunity to to actually get playing time and to establish like hey guess what doc rivers mr guy who never really plays young players i'm ready i can play now you know i think for a young guy his defense has been encouraging it seems Mm -hmm. like he's gotten better at the little things on the court you know his his timing and the pick and roll his ability to change pace he's just like a basketball genius man he's a really one of the smartest players i've seen absolutely and for him to do it at the at his experience level is impressive. I was talking to someone around the Clippers recently, and, and, and they said to me that it seems like Gildas Alexander learns something every game. Like There's right. always something he takes away, always something that he builds on, and you can see that happen on the court. I, I, I hope they do take the training wheels off charts. Well, and I think, too, worth pointing out, like it's really nice for him to have Tobias Harris and Gallinari. That's a great forward combo for a slashing point guard. Two like, big wings who shoot the ball, but only the ball in their hands all the time. The Clippers as a whole have been, to me, one of the more exciting teams to watch this year. Doc Rivers. Yeah, they're fun. Coach of the year candidate. This is more his kind of team for sure without like the big stars. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Charles, because it's like Doc left the Celtics. You know, he wanted out from the Celtics because they were entering a rebuild. But I thought, you know, with Doc Rivers, some of his years with those early to mid 2000 Celtics teams were impressive. Like those Celtics teams were bad, right? Like the 06 07 Celtics were a bad team, but they competed I don't a lot. Anymore. They were a tough team. I don't team. Even those teams. And I guess they had Paul Pierce. I mean, the, the year that he won. 
his first coach of the year was oh, with the Magic. magic. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, he was, he was rebuilding the with the Magic. So this is definitely his style. It's just, you know, once you win a championship, you suddenly think you're you're a uh, elites only. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Except now now it's gone back the other way. And for the what it's worth, uh, Charks, that, that old Celtics team was Rajon Rondo, was a, a rookie, Sebastian Telfair, Delonte West, Paul Pierce. Leon Poe. Man, they had some characters. G- in that Gerald team. Green. Wow. Uh, Leon Poe, yeah. Ryan Gomes. Ryan Gomes would have been a pretty good. He, he was a tweener yeah. then. Yeah. He had a nice career today, if, yeah. if he didn't wreck his knee, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then Al Jefferson as well, who another guy had an injury in Minnesota. I think Al Jefferson had a good, another good career, of course, but could have been even better. From Nathan Goodwin. If you guys could build a team around one player drafted in the 2016, 2017, or 2018 class, who would it be, Danny? Oh, this is good. This is a great question. Shout out, Nathan. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I am I am torn here, but I am a sucker for point guard play. And I'm going to go with severe recency bias right now and say I would love to build a team around De'Aaron Fox. Whoa. Oh, interesting. I, I, I would love it. Like I We're want- talking over Ben Simmons. Over Donovan Mitchell, over sure. DeAndre Ayton. Sure. The what I've seen in over from, Jason Tatum. Danny, uh, yeah, be careful I, with these I, takes. I think <laughs> I think I'm okay with that. But just in terms of the team that I would like to watch night in and night out, a team that flies up and down the court, a team that spaces the ball well and has a point guard who's one comfortable flying up the court, comfortable pulling up from three, comfortable making plays in weird midair positions. I love this guy. I, I don't see how you can't love him. Last night they've been fun this year for sure. Yeah, m- Monday night's game like he couldn't score, he couldn't score, but he still made a positive impact. Like he had some of those passes, his ability to create space, his his ability to play fast but still be under control at the same time. It's impressive. But I, I will say that I am probably the antithesis of uh, KOC as a GM. I'm just looking to make money. I'm just looking to entertain the fans. I'm not necessarily <laughs> needing the championship ring, you know? You're not running a process. <laughs> I want. I really want to say Ben Simmons here, um, but I can't just because of the lack of a jumper. It's it's really close. I'm, I'm, I think I know who you're going to say, Chark, so I'm going to say the other guy, Jason Tatum. That's what you want to say all along, KOZ. Come on. <laughs> no, get out I mean, of here. I mean, I really, I really want to pick the guy I think you're going to pick, um, but I want to talk about Tatum anyway. <laughs> Jason Tatum, the go-to scoring, is still magnificent for a player of his age. I, I think, you know, you, to your what you just mentioned, Danny, when it comes to winning at the highest level, I think having a guy who can score at the end of games like Jason Tatum with his size and his versatility, his ability to pull up from three, pull up from mid-range, or get to the basket and draw fouls, this year has been a little bit frustrating with KS, him. Yeah, KS, you worried about the little Duke habits coming back this year? This year's been frustrating, hasn't it, Charks? Those Duke habits are coming back. I think after he's settling a lot. And that, and that needs to change uh, for him to really continue maximizing Maybe his he potential. needs to uh, block Kobe's phone number off his phone. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, Tatum himself did have a quote that Kobe told him, like, every time you have the ball, shoot it. It's like, <laughs> no, don't. Well, apparently there was more to that quote, and he said, pass only if you need to. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah great, you know, great yeah. addendum there. Tatum has improved as a passer, and he's improved in every way. As a defender, every way as a scorer overall this year, she's been a little bit of a hiccup early on. But Tatum, to me, yeah, he could be one of the, the better players in the game. How about you, Charks? I mean, I, I may be unbiased, but I got to go with. I think he's the corner threes guy. Really, we got to go with my guy Luca. Man, Luka! he's been killing it. Luka! He's been absolutely crushing it all season. Love him. He's the best man. He's just 
It's so much fun to watch the Mavs now. It's just great. We got a, a question from Lord Asbury about Lord Ashbury, Asbury. I'm not sure if, if we have, which one we have it right. But anyway, Lord asks, is future MVP a legit ceiling for Luca? Why not? John, is it? Yeah, why not? Exactly. I'm not going to put a ceiling on him right now. Shout out to my guy, Kirk Serious Face. He, dro- he, he dropped this stat on the other day. He says, players who are shooting 19 points a game with six boards and four assists, there's only 10 guys in the league doing it. And it's like LeBron, Giannis, Durant, Anthony Davis, Westbrook. And then my guy, Luca. Not only that, Luca's effective field goal percentage at 19, 53.3%. That's higher than Anthony Davis, right below Kevin Durant. I mean, this guy is nice. This guy, to quote Kevin O'Connor, this guy is 19 years old. It's incredible. <laughs> That's quoting like, Yeah, it's quoting yeah. every single player or, or every single tweeter who has ever tweeted about Tatum. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. He's only 19. And by the way, Tatum's always going to be 19, even when he's 25. Oh, yeah. 19 I, in your heart. I, I right. still want to say he's 19. But Luke, yeah, Sharks, like what Luke is doing now is pretty remarkable. When even the people who are highest on him, we were all liked him. We all had him ranked number one, like, like a lot of people did. Even people who were high on him, I'm surprised. Who, translated who the heck could have predicted that he would average 19 points per game? Yeah. I, I thought, you know, maybe maybe Lucas scoring goes down at some point, but I thought his rookie year would look something like Evan Turner-esque numbers. I'm talking like 12, How dare 6, you? and 4. No, I don't mean... I, I like <laughs> Evan Turner. Evan Turner's a good player, very underrated. Um, but I, I thought rookie year, 19-year-old Luka Doncic would be like 12, 7, and 4. I mean, the man just gets buckets. Like, he just sensed the need for the team and said, okay, this team needs buckets, I'll get buckets. How much credit does the coaching staff deserve, Charks, for enabling him, empowering him to do this? Uh, I mean, I'm glad they did it. What are they going to do, empower Dennis and Wesley Matthews? Like, there was no other option. Like, that was going to happen on any coaching staff he was on. I guess you got to give props to the Mavs for putting older guys around him. And the question is long-term. Like, this is good for now, but what are the pieces long-term around him is the question. That's really what it comes down to now. Because they got the guy. Now, how do you build around him? And that alludes to a question from Danelle Thadathil. I'm definitely butchering your name. I'm so sorry. What do the Mavericks need to do to optimize Luka's ceiling? Yeah, and this goes back to something Sharks had talked about a lot of last year when we were doing draft class. Uh, the idea that, you know, he, as this teenager, played so maturely that you can kind of it's almost better for you to surround him with veterans who know exactly what they're doing than put him on this, you know, trajectory where, oh, he has to build alongside other young players for like five years before we see anything. I would, there's that, but I, you see what the Suns did last night with Devin Booker? And so they started on point guard with Mikhail Bridges, Trevor Ariza, TJ Warren, DeAndre Ayton. I kind of love that. Like give Luca three big wings and a role man at center. Give him as many many athletes as possible. I think that's the, that should be the goal. <clears throat> Zion Williamson. <clears throat> Ooh, that's what you're saying, are, right, Charles? Are they winning too much for yeah, for no. that to happen? Yeah. Hey, we can get Nas Little or our, our Cam Reddish, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of wings out there. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. a lot, lot of guys. And Luke is somebody who can fit with anybody too. Abe Spargo asks, I feel like Brandon Ingram's season has been a little disappointing so far. He looks passive and floats in and out of games at times. Where do you guys see his potential? Can he be a good enough sidekick for LeBron so that the Lakers can make a playoff run this year? I'm wondering now, like maybe Ingram needs his own team. I don't know if he's good enough. Like maybe he needs to have the ball in his hands all the time and kind of run point to reach his ceiling. Is he a good enough shooter to be a number two on LeBron? I don't know right now. I think that's my concern right now, the shooting. Um, Ingram, Ingram entered college as a guy who needed to improve his shot. Last year, he shot 39% on a very, very low volume of shots, only 105 three-pointers. 
this year he's not shot the ball well. Um, truth is that Ingram isn't a 39% three-point shooter. He's probably not as poor as he is right now either at right. 30%. But you know, somewhere in between 34%, I'm not sure that's the level you need to be to excel next to LeBron James. With that said, and, he's still only yeah. 21. Yeah, and especially with the amount of attempts he's taking, he's taking less than two per game. I know. Which yeah. is not even, at this point, not even really acceptable for most modern centers. Yeah. Uh, let alone, you know, a wing who needs to be able to, you know, create on the perimeter to free up everyone else on the team. Um, That's the dilemma here, isn't it? That LeBron needs yeah. the ball, but Ingram is also a guy who, since college, has been an underrated playmaker for his size and position. So he's really good with the ball in his hands. I mean, it's tough if you need the box to LeBron James because that's not going to happen. So then, I wonder if they could, they got to trade him. I wonder. Yeah, now. do you trade him? Do you do you really try and stagger those minutes? And if you do stagger those minutes, what does that really mean for the future of the team? You know, if if you can't really play your second best asset, pretty much, alongside your first best. The question, you know, ask, can, can you make a playoff run this year? I think the Lakers are going to make their playoff run on the back of LeBron James anyway, regardless of where Brandon Ingram is. Probably second round, unless maybe if they get a favorable matchup, they can make the Western Conference Finals. But I don't think they're good enough to make a run beyond that. Um, Ingram, we'll see. Uh, I think with Brandon Ingram, his shot needs to sh- he needs to show that he can be a consistent shooter um, in order to play uh, optimally next to LeBron James. But the chances are he's still probably going to be a trade asset. Yeah, that's what you it kind of you feel like it, right? Is he an Anthony Davis trade piece now? Is that what he is? Not a bad asset to have, but ultimately, for the for the New Orleans Pelicans, if it comes to trading Anthony Davis, there's a team out east that can top probably any offer the Lakers can. Oh, you know something I I remembered. We had brought this up in a past episode, but Charks had that trade proposal for Bradley Beal for the Lakers. Oh, yeah, Ingram. And I'd do it if I... That's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, KOC, both of Lakers, us, I think. I think we both said no. At this point, has anything changed? I still want to do it. I'd rather have cap space if I'm the Lakers. Mm-hmm. I'd rather Beal? I, I, I'd rather go into the summer with cap space. But couldn't you still yeah. have a max space if you trade Ingram for Beal for, with other stuff? No. I think with the way their cap situation breaks down, they wouldn't be able to create max cap space or it would be extremely, extremely difficult to do with Beal. Uh, granted, with that said... Like there's not a lot of great options maybe for them this summer. If Clay stays in Golden State, if KD goes to New York or stays in Golden State himself, you look at Kawhi Leonard. From what I've heard, is that Clippers are the more favorable option for him. So where does that leave you, Kemba, Chris Middleton? I mean, it's it's Anthony Davis ultimately. Yeah, that's where sure. it's all, it all all roads lead to AD to Rich Paul. That's what it comes down to. If KD were to go to the Lakers, just what would general question? What would your reaction be? How would you feel about Kevin Durant? How would, how would you I'd be excited? Opinion? You would be excited. Okay, see, I'm a Texas guy, so I have his love for Katie no matter what he does. He's a Longhorn, so nothing but love. Yeah, personally, he's, to me, the the greatest scorer I've ever seen. And I just, I, I'm not at a point where I'm like, oh, this dude needs to redefine his legacy or whatever. I'm just like, you know, just put the ball in the basket. That, that's leaning into the legacy. He could be a super villain. Trying LeBron James, he'd be a super villain, Dan. I, I don't, I don't he, know. He would be. I mean, but like, what if he won three in a row with the Warriors, then went to the Lakers and won like two or three in a row with LeBron? Like, it'd be pretty crazy, I'm man. I'm no kidding, man. I, I think that would be really special. He, Can you imagine all, KD going back to Golden State with LeBron? Like, the storylines. Oh hashtag goodness. narrative, guys. The content. Exactly. The content. And, and not to mention, like, yes, KD would be more hated than ever for going to the Lakers, but he would also be more loved than ever. The Lakers are the most popular basketball franchise worldwide. LeBron is one of the most popular players. Kevin Durant would have more supporters than ever and more haters than ever. 
But if you're KD, I think it would grow your stardom to an even higher level. And then guess and what? I, Two, three years from now, you can go to New York if you want to. <laughs> Bring your Let's, love it. Let's do it. Yeah. I feel like, too, worth pointing out, I think KD is good enough for LeBron would actually like take a backseat yes, to Durant. I agree. Right? That's the one guy LeBron say, okay, you're the man. Yep. I can be your kind of number two option. I'm with you. Like there, there's the conversation as well. Why would KD want to go to the Lakers and play second fiddle to LeBron James? And I'm like, well, would he be really right? second fiddle? I feel like he's on the same level as him, at least over the course of the regular season in the playoffs. They do what LeBron and Kyrie did. They, they, they take turns. Yep. But KD Dude, also Kevin Durant is a seven foot Kyrie Irving like with LeBron. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm getting excited for this now. Oh my God. <laughs> if I'm KD, if I were Kevin Durant, I would really think about it. You remember the last, what is it, like two years ago and Boston was like, oh, come here, be the man, but don't be on too good a team. Like, were there Goldilocks? Like, it's just right. Like, no, if you're going to leave the team you're on now, go to a great team and win a championship. Like, guarantee rings. Don't be doing this halfway half in that thing. I think it would be dope. We got, we got a good question from Theodore Karate. Which of the three of you would be the most reliable to make a corner three under the gun? I am so bad under pressure. Literally any kind of pressure. You, if, you, if, you've seen, if you've seen me on any of those uh, pop quizzes uh, that The Ringer have, has done, even if it's about like LeBron, I crack. I am not good under pressure, so it's not me. Do either of y'all play basketball regularly anymore? Not anymore, nope. no. It, it wouldn't be me. I'm not a good shooter. So I'm guessing it would See, be I, the I still play regularly, but I've taken it out of my game. I'm like Ben Simmons now. Like, it's just not my game shooting threes. Sharks. I play near the basket. I rebound. The answer is you. You you would hit the Trust three. me. If you see me shoot, you would know it's not <laughs> me. Like, I got an ugly <laughs> shot. I'm playing 10 feet and under on the rim. Yeah, that that's me. I, I'm, I'm the guy who screens and just do the little dirty work out there. Play hard on defense. Rebound. Clap for my teammates. I'm not, I'm not the guy to hit a corner. So you're three. the Aaron Baines of the pickup basketball yeah, world? Yeah, I, I, I try to be. I'm, I'm definitely team manager. Yeah. <laughs> Question from Juan Hernandez. With Zach Levine's improvement, Wendell Carter's impressive play, and Larry Markin in returning, the Bulls have Ooh. an exciting young core, says Juan. Is there another young core you would take over the Bulls at this moment? I like this question. I guess the question is, how are we defining young core? Is it like, what about like Jokic, Murray, Harris? Is that too good of a team already? Yeah. Or like, is that to be a non-playoff team? I mean, Murray's still what? Like 22? They're all under young. 25. Yeah. yeah. But I think after, if you go to look at non-playoff teams, how many are better than Levine, Carter, Laurie, right? I'm pretty into that group. I mean, going team by team in the East, you know, you're, you're not taking Miami, Washington, New York, or Cleveland. Atlanta. No. Is there an argument for Atlanta? Not right now. Maybe they draft someone else next Maybe. year. Brooklyn, I'm not sure. They're not there yet. They haven't had the high draft picks in recent years. In, in the Western Conference, Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is an argument with DeAndre Eaton sure. and Devin Booker. I think I'd rather have that young core. That's Chicago. the one to me. That, that's the question. Like, let's put, let's put Mikhail Bridges in there. So yeah, Booker, Bridges, Bridges Aiton, or Levine, Carter, Markinen. It's pretty close. I mean, Booker's probably the best player, right, of the six? Yeah, absolutely. Right yeah, absolutely. I, I think when you factor in some of Phoenix's other guys, like a... A Kobo type, even like TJ Warren is still fairly young. TJ uh, Warren, who is having Anthony, a breakout season. Mm-hmm. DeAnthony Melton. Uh, they, they have some good talents on their team besides those guys. Uh, I, would, I would say like the, the broader point though, the Bulls I think have an exciting future. I think that's very, been very much underplayed this year because they've been so bad. But Levine getting so much better, Carter being so good right away. Like this is an exciting team. If they can get RJ Barrett or something, they're going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Is Zach Levine a guy where when you have all those players, if like you draft R.J. Barrett, is Zach Levine going to get enough touches to do this high-volume scoring that he does See, now? I think I'm not so sure. because he takes so many threes. He can, yeah. he can play off the ball super easy. I think he can fit in pretty... That's like the thing about a high-volume three-point shooter. It's easy to slide him in somewhere. 
Yeah, we're we're talking about Zach Levine taking six threes right now. If if he takes any kind of backseat in terms of an actual creation role, that could get ratcheted up to about seven or eight if he's just, you know, spotting up. That's not even accounting for Markinen, who's also going to be launching threes. This team can I mean, be that's really like fun. exciting about Chicago to me. Yeah, they have two high volume three point shooters, and that's what you really need now in the NBA. I, I just don't know how good of a shooter Levine is. He's shooting 35% on spot up threes this season, 32% last year, 42% the year before. If he's 35, 36% on spot up threes, not sure how good he is for the role. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was shooting 31% on the season. Well, I mean, a lot of those, it's just like, but who's putting <laughs> shots for Levine right now? Like, right. really? I think the question is if they don't get RJ and they have to draft a wing, is Chris Dunn the point guard of the future? I, I think that to me um, is so the so. big question. Me, me and Danny just looked at each other and yeah. like, like shook our heads. I mean, speedy recovery, I, I want to see him on the court with these guys. I want to see how this all works out because I think Dunn is still, he can be an impact player. It's he, just, he I, don't know if, yeah. I don't know if he's the right point guard for what they're trying to do. We'll be back with more of your questions, but first we're going to hear from our sponsors. Thank you, Microsoft Service, for being a sponsor of the show. Need a device that helps you get stuff done but is also perfect when you want to catch up on some fun, like streaming live sports or checking on your fantasy team? Check out the latest member of the Microsoft Service family, the new Surface Pro 6. Just take the keyboard off and use it like a tablet or snap it back on and use it like a laptop. With up to 13 and a half hours of battery life in the new 8th gen Intel Core processor, it's everything you love about the Surface Pro, now even more powerful. Support for today's show also comes from Simply Safe. If you've been thinking about getting a Simply Safe home security system but have been waiting for the holidays when all the tech deals come out, you've made a smart move. Because right now, I can get you a great deal on Simply Safe. If you go to simplysafe.com/nba, you'll get 25% off any new system. That's an amazing deal. They rarely do anything like this, but they're doing it just for us. Simply Safe is a great protection for your home and family. They don't make you sign a contract and there's no hidden fees. So if you're looking for a security system and want a great deal, go to simplysafe.com slash NBA to save 25%. Make sure to use that unique URL because it really helps out the show. That's simplysafe.com slash NBA. And hurry, the deal ends November 26th. Back to the corner three. Matt Casada is worried that the magic will get stuck in middle-class purgatory. And he wonders, are there any risk-reward moves that might help? And he says, could a Markel Fultz risk ever make sense for Orlando? Do it. Why not? Yeah, that's a team that Bobby should do it. Why? Yeah. There's no pressure there. Like, he wins like 30 games. You know, it's, it's exciting. No pressure at all. And I, I think their point guard situation might be more dire than the Suns situation. I'd say so, because at least with with Phoenix, you have they have Booker, Booker who can who can run some yeah. point for you. Orlando, oh. I mean, yeah, Augustine is is fine, but like you'd he's a backup. You'd yeah. rather him be your like eighth man. Markel Fultz for Terrence Ross, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, actually, something like that's actually not too shabby. <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah, I mean, he's got to get out of I there. Mean, yeah, like, whatever's happening now, like it's, it can't be going well for them with Jimmy there. He's got to leave like immediately. If, I, if I'm Philly, I'm still can't give up on Markel. Brett he Brown has. He's playing TJ McConnell over him. I, I know, <laughs> I, I know, but, but you can still have the asset. Kevin, what's the word like depreciating asset? That thing is burning a hole in your pocket. I know, I know, but that's what I mean. Like, what are you going to get for him? I mean, really, it's a shooter. Maybe like Rodney Hood. You know, like that's what it's kind of come down to. All right, so know, so man. back to the question. Yeah, uh, it was about the magic. Yes. 
do you think they're <laughs> headed towards middle class purgatory? But wouldn't that be a good for the Magic? They've been like the worst team in the league for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. Oh, God. Um, I don't know if there's any like big moves. It, it just keeps feeling like they're one, you know, lottery hit the, one you away. know. It, yeah, they're, it, they're, it's one away. And that's the problem with this year. And, and that's why Matt's worried because Orlando is nine and eight. And it's some of the stuff they're doing feels fairly sustainable, unlike last season when it was all due to hot shooting, their early start. This year, it's like, oh, Orlando's not too bad. And I and I do know that they are trying to compete. They're trying to I mean, win they games. They have to. Like, they got to yes. win games after it's they so, want so to. long. But by not winning games, it means that you're losing on our chance on another top prospect, the do one you, guy away. Here's the thing about Orlando, too. If you look at the numbers, like they've moved uh, Gordon to the four and played a window at the three. And that, that's really made them a better team. And they put Isaac off the bench. Right. And it kind of feels like Isaac and Gordon are both fours. So they might have to make a trade at some... It's a, that's a tough situation now that they're, they're in. I don't know. Maybe the move for Orlando, if you're talking youth movement, is eventually to trade Vucevic. Oh, they have to trade yeah. Vucevic. Yeah, he's gone after this year. Yeah. Because they got to let Bamba be the I mean, five. he's, he's like, that's over. killing it, though, from, from three. He's been great. He's been amazing. Another one of those... But you can't pay him and have Bamba behind him. The rest Absolutely. Of, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Another one of those big men who's, who's advanced his game, extended his range. Vucevic deserves for a sure. lot of credit for for that. Um, but Orlando he gets buckets now, man. Orlando could be heading towards purgatory of the middle class. Um, hey, but at least they're not in hell, though, right? People keep saying that. <laughs> yes. but purgatory's not better than hell. It's not hell. It's not hell. Uh, Knicks fans don't. It feels like they be in hell. Carla asked, with the Lonjo Trier exceeding expectations and Frank Nilakina not progressing as quickly as we hoped. How does the future of the Knicks' backcourt look? Frank is still one of the youngest players in the league. I, I think his, his... You're not giving up on Frank so like no. some of our big bosses are? No, no. Who's giving up on Frank? Is uh, Our Knicks fans people are giving up on him? I thought they were still high on Frank. Knicks fans understand Frank is just young and developing and already a really good defensive point guard. He's really good. He's really good on defense. Oh, oh our check writer is giving up on Frank? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. There's a handful, uh, handful okay. of voices giving up on Frank Nilakina. <laughs> I think he's not a point guard at this point. I wouldn't trust him to run a team right now. So, mm. to me, they need a point guard still. I mean, he can't score at all. It's an, it's an interesting conversion that he's going through. It's, it's almost like when we all thought, or not we, but like when people thought Austin Rivers was a point guard, and then now he's basically a three. I feel like that's kind of Neil Aquina's positional transformation. I think he could obviously be a lot better than Austin Rivers. But yeah, I, I don't really see any like lead playmaking ability out of him anymore. At least complimentary. Yeah. I think he can compliment you as a playmaker. He's not a bad passer. He's pretty solid. Right. Right. Um, I think he can do that, but Frank's offense is definitely worrisome, but I think his defense is enough to keep him in the league for a long time. Yeah, they just, they feel like they need R.J. Barrett. That's another team. Sharks, do you buy Alonzo Trier? Uh... I mean, he gets buckets, but like, what else does he do? Is he's he's a guy who gets buckets, and it's like here's the thing about Alonzo Trier. If you watched Arizona in the last two years, you remember Alonzo Trier freezing out Laurie and Aiton in the NCAA tournament, and it's like when KP right now with the Knicks, who who's going to freeze out really? When right. KP comes back and Trier freezes him out, how people feel about it? I don't know. He gets buckets though. I'll give him that. I guess are you, I guess the context matters here. Though. Are you buying him as an undrafted free agent sticking in the league? Um. Or, or do you think yeah. this is just a, a... I think he can be a bench scorer. I think that's possible, yeah. Spark plug, you agree? Yeah, he, he definitely works hard. I I see, like, future Memphis Grizzlies player in his in He his feels future. right, like a Marshawn Brooks like, like, Oh, Marshawn Brooks type, okay. Yeah, no, like, as an unheralded... But what does Grizzlies type mean? Oh, okay, unheralded, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, over the past three years, they've basically run through, like, the bargain bin of... 
Kobe you know, Simmons. of wings who yeah. may or may not work because <laughs> they invariably get injured. That's just the Grizzlies thing. Their, their backcourt gets injured. So, Question from Jomi Adinaran. Of the four young guys for the Lakers, and I'm assuming that means Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart, which one is the most likely to be dealt in a midseason trade? Really, of those young guys, only Josh Hart really fits with LeBron, right? Absolutely. Like Kuzma's probably a four. LeBron's a four. Ingram doesn't really shoot. Lonzo doesn't really shoot that much. Like LeBron's got a very specific type of player. So I wouldn't be surprised any of those guys are moved, if not this midseason by next season. Yeah, if things get dire, I can kind of imagine Kyle Kuzma getting dealt, which would be a huge blow to Lakers fans who were... Kuzmania? Yeah, who were basically like, oh, we don't need LeBron because we have Kuzma, the next Kobe, you know? <laughs> uh, was that a thing? Kuzma's so overrated. It's, it wasn't I, I necessarily like a thing, but like, there were a lot of people who were just like, I like Kuzma more than Brandon Ingram because Kuzma has the Mamba mentality. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a great take. I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, look, I like Kuzma. He can score. He can get buckets, but he doesn't play a lick of defense. Doesn't rebound. Doesn't pass. Yeah, Kuzma at the five was like, that was just killing the team they trying that. Kuzma, good player, but I worry that he's pretty much near his peak already, unless he starts doing other stuff on the court, which he didn't do at Utah either. Even even in college, uh, he was a player, you look at him, he's like, oh, six foot nine, you know, he's long, he can move, he could be versatile defensively, but he's not. He's not, but he can be, but he's not. It's like the same thing right now. Nothing's changed right. for him on defense. His offense has just popped, um, but still a streaky shooter. Um, but at least he can score in volume. He has a role like that. He's a, he's a spark plug at forward. That's good. Yeah, fun fact about him. I was I was looking up speed stats just because I love looking up useless information <laughs> because it really is useless information. Uh, with the pace that the Lakers are playing on, Kyle Kuzma is on average the fastest player in the NBA, which is hilarious because oh. he's basically a 4-5. But yeah, that's great. That's, you know? that's great. That's yeah. a great stat. That is a good stat, actually. Totally useless. It doesn't mean anything. But, you know, there you go. From Nathan Shee, what is an honest solution for the Suns point guard needs? A solution that takes into account the team's timeline away from the quote, they okay. need to overpay for a star because no one this likes a, Phoenix narrative. That's is this a John Nathan Wall Shee. subtweet? Isn't that it is, it is a John, John Wall, Wall subtweet yeah. from Nathan Shee. So what's an honest solution for Phoenix? Is it tanking again and taking a... a R.J. Barrett playmaking forward type? Is it, is it a free agent signing? Is it overpaying for a younger restricted free agent that might hit the, hit the market? What is a plan for them? Or right. is it developing I mean, Devin let's Booker? Let's see how this thing works with Booker point guard. They just tried it for one game. They also Philadelphia last night with it. Right. With eight assists and two turnovers, I think was the stat line. So you want Booker in that hardened role, Charks? Let's just see it. I mean, why not, right? Let's give it a month or two and see how it goes. I mean, Booker we'll need to make a decision right now. Booker's averaging seven point assists per game this season, the four point three turnovers. I think with Booker, he's developed more of an on ball scoring presence than I would have ever expected from what we saw at him in Kentucky and even in oh, high yeah. school for that matter. So why not? Why not see what he can become as a point guard? Yeah, and and really after that, you're looking at what spot minutes from other contributors at the position, and I think they already have like those Kobo two. As a backup, Kobo Melton. Like, these two aren't bad options. And no. with their timeline, with their trajectory, you don't need, like, a star point guard to accelerate this process. I think you need a guy who compliments Devin Booker because Booker's going to handle the ball a lot. You need a point guard who's going to be able to compliment him in the same way that he compliments the point guard. He can play on ball or he can play off ball. Booker can be a guy who runs pick and roll or runs through screens. You need a guy in the backcourt who can do the same thing that he does. John Wall's not that guy. 
in our um, we did a piece at the start of the college season, like pick a player for a team. And I put this guy, Quentin Grimes from Kansas. I love this. He's a great player. I really love watching him play. He's a six six combo guard. He can shoot it, play on or off the ball. I think he might be the guy. Final question here from Joe C. If there was a doomsday scenario where aliens need to be stopped on one possession in a basketball game to save planet Earth, who do you guys put on the all-Earth defensive team to save the world? Who's our five, guys? Okay. Who's our five? Kawhi. Uh, yeah, for sure. Kawhi, Kawhi. Leonard, no doubt about it. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Do you think LeBron would still, maybe in one possession? One LeBron, possession. I think one possession. Again. I'm putting LeBron out there for one possession. I've put in Kevin Durant out there for one possession, yeah, too. Yeah, if they're all going to try and stuff, then let's just go Giannis, too. Just put five sun footers out there. We really don't know what these aliens are. They might be small. They could be large. But I would rather have size out there anyway. Well, you, want, you want versatility for different types of aliens, obviously. And I think, so. I think I'm putting Draymond out there, too. Draymond. Draymond over, over Durant. Well, well let's but see. He might what, start what, an intergalactic incident. If what, Draymond let's see. We got, <laughs> so what's our five? We got AD, LeBron, Kawhi. Kawhi. I'm putting Giannis out there. So you're putting Giannis. Saying. Or maybe, actually, maybe Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is a good know. defender. I don't trust Ben Simmons compared to Draymond, mm. Draymond over Draymond Green. Like, who, one of those. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Do we trust Draymond in a life or death situation? Yeah. I mean, he might kill the guy, but maybe that's for the best. Yeah. Like, are, so we're, are we defending the basket or are we defending Earth? And it, or are they inter- <laughs> interconnected? <laughs> you just need to stop on the basketball court. Okay. One possession. I'm, I'm leaving Draymond off here. Because <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so we're putting Giannis out there over Draymond, AD, KD, Kawhi, LeBron. We're putting LeBron out there because this is one possession where he's going to be giving everything on defense. Yeah, and then Giannis over Draymond. I'd, I, I I'd, feel I'd, I'd, I'd feel better with Draymond. I, out there, I feel like Earth would be in good hands with that with that five. I think so too. You, you cool with that, Charks? Sure. It's been a long podcast. Let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has been a long podcast and that means it's, it's uh, time for a little break uh, Danny, John happy Thanksgiving guys thank you of course yes, and fun have a good holiday y'all and thank you again for listening we'll be back next Friday please give us a five star rating on iTunes and tell your friends and family about the show on Thanksgiving that would mean a lot special shout out to Bobby Wagner for producing the podcast and to my good friend Elon for listening to the show and thank you again for listening we'll be back next Friday have a great rest of your week mm-hmm.